We're pushing you closer to the weekend here on the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Chris and Gary, they've got the morning duties. I'm Josh Pacheco in for them in the afternoon. Thanks so much for having us along. Uh, I say we're pushing you closer to the weekend because I know a lot of you are looking forward to uh, Independence Day weekend. So Wednesday, for some of you, might feel like a Thursday. Uh, for some of you, the Wednesday is probably one of the longer days because you might be preparing for the longer weekend. Whatever it is, uh, we're keeping you company over the next three hours here on this radio program. In about 20 minutes, college football is kind of in an interesting shift. And I'm watching where the Mountain West is as I'm seeing some of these other conferences make decisions with uh, uh, outside-of-the-box hires leading their conferences. And we saw it actually today with an official announcement from the Big 12. And it makes me kind of wonder, where's the Mountain West at? And, uh, you know, we're going to go up to Mountain West Media Day in Las Vegas uh, in about, what, three weeks or so? Uh, And maybe we'll get a better idea in person. But where is the Mountain West sitting as some of these conferences are doing things outside of the box. Uh, We'll talk about that in about 20 minutes' time. Also, a little bit later on in the program, uh, we are going to do what is affectionately known as an Animal Rewind, which is weird because it's an Animal Rewind featuring the animals. Thomas Sheffield is on this morning with Chris and Gary. He is the uh, special teams coordinator and tight ends coach for the University of Hawaii Rainbow Warrior football team. Uh, He was on with the boys earlier. You'll hear that coming up in about 30 minutes. You can text the program at 808-296-1420. That is the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, You can call us at 808-296-1420, and you can tweet us at Sports Animals and at Josh on the radio. You know, as we get ready for the 4th of July weekend, uh, whatever plans you have, whether they involve fireworks, whether they involve cookouts, uh, trip to the beach, all of the above, uh, whatever it is that you've got planned, make some time for uh, a little bit of stream watching on Monday, the uh, the 4th of July. Because on Monday, we will learn where Francis Maui Noah is going to end up playing. It's the five-star offensive tackle that narrowed down his, his finalists to six schools, and it seems like a, a real outlier, but... Hawaii is one of the six schools, along with Alabama, Florida, Miami, Tennessee, and, uh, and USC. Uh, it's going to be televised. Well, not televised. It's going to be on CBS Sports HQ coming up on Monday. And I haven't seen the time as to when that's going to happen. But certainly, there's a class of 2023 guy who's making his decision national, as most of these five-star guys do. Uh, whether it is there, whether it is on uh, an ESPN property, or they decide to have someone make a fancy uh, Photoshop graphic and put it on their Twitter and say, hey, look at me, I've made my decision, thanks to everybody. Whatever it is, um, I will definitely be finding time to watch wherever I'm at because it's a good thing, it's not on TV, so I can watch it on my phone if I happen to be out with you know plans, whatever it is. Um, it's not often... In fact, I can't remember the last time uh, we've been in this situation where we've seen someone considering the University of Hawaii on national television with a decision on whether they want to go to the University of Hawaii. I mean, the closest we've probably ever gotten to this is it, it probably I don't think it even involves the University of Hawaii. 
I recall it was uh, Manti Teo, and they had the uh, the ceremony. Uh, Doris Sullivan and uh, and her team used to put it together every year, where everybody would go in. Uh, it would be early morning. They'd go to a hotel. They'd have a guest speaker. Everybody would go in. They would sign their letters of intent all at the same time. And I remember, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Manti. Uh, and if I'm if I'm wrong, you can text into the uh, to the Zephyr Insurance text line. They had uh, they had ESPNU doing their signing day special, and this was before we had the early signing period and. You know now what what is still considered National Signing Day, although it's it's not the same thing. And I remember he was like the only one who had like a camera directly on him. He had a, a microphone in front of him, and as it was his turn to go and uh, and sign his letter of intent, they cut to him live on on ESPNU, and he made his decision on where he was going to go. It's one of the rare times that Hawaii has ever been kind of like in the vicinity of having national television exposure of who from Hawaii is going to go. Now, this is obviously very different. Francis Maui Noah going to IMG Academy. Uh, and the flip side of it may be just a bit more meaningful. The flip side of it is that Hawaii's on the list. Now, I don't know if Francis is going to do, you know, the, the caps on the table and have a, you know, a Hawaii cap next to a USC cap and, and uh, shuffle them around and pick one. I don't know if he's going to have jerseys in the back wall and uh, then grab one and put it on. I don't know if he's going to do some stunt or if it's just simple, hey, let's do an interview on TV. Someone's going to hand me my cap or, or I'm just going to say it and not make a big show out of it. I don't know what he's going to do. But what I do believe is whether he picks Hawaii or not, to play in 2023. This is a class of 2023 athlete. Whether he picks Hawaii is or not is kind of irrelevant. I mean, don't get me wrong. If he picks to, to the opportunity to play at the University of Hawaii, that me might be one of the biggest recruits that Hawaii ever gets uh, and marks a, a seismic turnaround for a program that just a couple of months ago was mired in a uh, uh, in, in a political hearing and people making fun of Dr. Pepper. You recall that, right? And it's fun that we've gotten past that. But it would mark a sharp turnaround. I mean, heck, the fact that we are here with Hawaii sitting in someone's top six as a five-star guy is incredible to begin with. And that should mark kind of the potential of an early bounce back from what was uh, a, a rocky early off season and a, and a rocky 2021 season in general. But the idea of having your name on national television or on national streaming video live with people across the country paying attention to it is, um, is pretty unique. You hope that one day... Hawaii will land that five-star guy, I realize. Is it a pipe dream? Sure. We're talking about a, a group of five program. Uh, group of five programs don't land five-star guys. Group of five programs don't usually find themselves in the top six for five-star guys. Uh, I, I realize that it is such a, 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 admittedly, a long shot. 
the fact that we're here in the first place is actually really, really neat and could signal how much closer you could get. Maybe not a five-star, maybe another four-star. Maybe you're uh, much more competitive in recruiting in the conference as compared to uh, what Hawaii has been, which in previous years, we've looked at the scout.com and the rivals.com recruiting rankings, and we have seen Hawaii generally in the bottom three, four, and five of recruiting rankings in uh, in the Mountain West. And, you know, Hawaii has made do with what it's done, and at times has put together winning records, despite the fact that we have seen, uh, you know, bottom figure recruiting rankings almost on a consistent basis. Hawaii's squeezed a lot out of what they've been able to recruit. But I'm not just looking at Maui Noah's decision coming up on Monday, but I'm also looking at this coming year because I was I was looking at some rankings from Bill Connolly earlier today from ESPN, and he had a, a, a list of returning production across college football, and he, and he ranked it from one all the way to the very end. And frankly, uh, Hawaii was listed at the very bottom of, uh, of returning production as compared to everybody else in college football. I think Ohio State was, was closer. I think Ohio State was either one or it was very close to one. And, uh, you know, they're the bottom three, it was uh, – it was not just Hawaii down there, but I think you had Wyoming down there as well. Uh, you had three Mountain West schools that were at the very bottom of the uh, production return percentage. And the idea is that the Mountain West is at the bottom when it comes to conferences uh, with return percentage, which gives you the impression that the Mountain West is, prob- is probably a down conference this coming year maybe more of a wide-open conference this year, which also means that if we take the big-picture view and not just look at wins and losses, big-picture view is there, I, I, I think, could lead a struggle for the next couple of years as to who could really claim that they are the leader in the Mountain West, who can claim that they are the standard which is especially important now that after this coming year, the Mountain West is going to eliminate divisions. They're going to go to just a straight up-and-down conference format in 2023 and get rid of divisions. So I'm, you know, this year is such an interesting year, starting with, you know, the continued off-season conversation, Maui Noah having to make his decision, Hawaii being on that list, starting there, looking at what the Mountain West has coming back, uh, which I think will be really fascinating to see how the conference shapes up, especially at the top, and whether some of the, the bottom feeders or those who have been kind of in the middle for so long have an opportunity to make a move this year in what should be kind of an open year where I don't know that you're going to get, I, I, don't, I don't know that you can guarantee that you're going to get like an 11-win Mountain West team. I feel very confident in saying, I don't think we're going to see a Mountain West team this year that's going to crack the top 20 and make a run for the college football playoff New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, I think we'll see that probably one more year for a team from the Athletic. But how teams with lower expectations, like a Hawaii, 
like a uh, like a Wyoming, like a San Jose State, uh, which should be interesting. By the way, shout out to uh, to Coach Brennan for uh, putting himself in an ice bath and saying our players believe in recovery on Twitter uh, in the ice bath, which I couldn't I could not do for more than two seconds. The middle of the pack in the conference could have the potential to be either a major player or a major disappointment and kind of shake the way the conferences move around uh, or the the players in this conference move around over the next couple of years. You can text us at 808-296-1420. Call us at uh, 808-296-1420. Send us your tweets as well uh, at Sports Animals at Josh on the radio. Harlan texts in. Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. Not surprising. There are Div 3 schools with better stadiums. Do we need to rehash this again? I I read the text because I believe in equal opportunity text reading when it is manageable. Um, I don't believe in just reading texts I agree with. The texts just have to make sense. They have to be intelligible. uh, And I just don't want to read through typos. So I'll read the text if I agree or disagree with them. But uh, I'm, I'm giving fair warning right now. And, and Harlan, I, I appreciate the text message. But let's please not go down this road again of stadiums and uh, what they might be like and who do you compare them to. Let's not go down that road. If you, if you want to go down that road, at the very least... Put the blame on the people that deserve the blame for being down this said road. Your elected officials. Don't don't put the blame on the people in the University of Hawaii Athletic Department. So if if you want to go there, I'm not going to shoo you away. I don't want to rehash what is, you know, a radio topic in Hawaii that you could get to every week and just kind of, you know, just sit here, don't do any prep, and just go through the stadium topic again and get instant reaction because it's still a sore spot for a lot of people. I'd, I'd like to think we can elevate past that a little bit more. But if you're going to, at least put along with that, thank you, state leadership. And, and by saying thank you, state leadership, I mean that with heavy, heavy sarcasm. Coming up... Animal Rewind with uh, UH Special Teams Coordinator and Tight Ends Coach Thomas Sheffield. That's uh, a little over 10 minutes away. You're listening to the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Continuing the uh, the college football theme, talked a little bit about kind of my excitement for Hawaii football based on the potential of what you could get out of just simply being seen. Um, even in the long shot possibility that you land a five-star recruit, just, you know, being seen, being in the conversation is, you know, pretty important. But the, the bigger picture of, in college sports and college football specifically is, is kind of where I want to move this conversation because I'm watching what a couple of conferences have done, including the Big 12 today. Uh, the Big 12 hired Brett Yormark. If the name sounds familiar... Brett Yormark worked under Jay-Z because uh, he was the COO of Rock Nation. 
was the co-CEO of Rock Nation Unified, which was a, a global licensing division. I should have told Keegan earlier, let's 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 grab a Jay-Z drop before coming into the segment, but I didn't plan too far ahead to make that happen. That could have only made sense uh, dropping into uh, to this portion of the program. Brett Yormark is not a college athletics lifer. He's not someone who uh, really has the pulse of making sure that you you follow all the, the rules of the NCAA. Could learn. But that's not what he's known for. That's not what he comes from. Remember, the Pac-12 had hired George Klybakov, who worked at MGM. Again, not a college sports or college football lifer, but he knows entertainment. The Pac-12 has certainly been one of the least entertaining power conference conferences uh, in many sports consistently over the last few years. So they bring someone in, knows entertainment, kind of takes them a step backwards by shuttering some of the uh, the television production facilities, and now they're working on a television contract and you know, here here you go with where the Pac-12 is trying to move forward. But somebody who's got fresh eyes, fresh vision. Brett Yormark going to the Big 12, uh, a conference that is kind of going to become a new here once Texas and Oklahoma leaves around 2025. They're going to bring in some new schools for 2023. That includes a few schools from the American, BYU coming over as well. It's a conference that, you know, again, is going to be kind of reborn and it's going to be kind of a new and there's no better way to do it, frankly, in, in 2022 than in doing so with someone who can bring you something that you haven't had before. I mean, no offense to Bob Bowlesby. No offense to Larry Scott before they left their respective conferences. But Larry Scott got stale. The Pac-12 started going backwards. Uh, he really kind of mismanaged that conference financially while he managed himself financially quite nicely. Uh, and Bob Bowlesby got, well, uh, got a little defensive, got a bit triggered, and couldn't keep Texas and Oklahoma. And when you can't keep the two blue bloods of your conference, then you kind of have an idea that things need a bit of freshening up. So it makes me look at the Mountain West. And I, and I realize there is a, an apples to oranges part of this discussion, which is the Mountain West is nowhere near close to the level of the Big 12 and the Pac-12 because they are power conferences and the Mountain West is a group of five. And, um, you know, we're not going to be considered in the same place, in the same, the same landscape. But I'm kind of left wondering, watching this conference the last couple of years and seeing the way the conferences move forward, I'm left. I'm left wondering, is the conference ready? I think the Big 12 is going to prove with clear eyes, full heart, not to take a cheesy line away, fresh vision that it wants to get into the future of college sports where the future is less about the NCAA. It is more surrounding NIL. It's more surrounding exposure, accessibility, uh, these are all key words in college sports, and football is going to lead the way in that. I'm looking at the Mountain West, and I see kind of a crossroads here in trying to do the very same things. Now, keep in mind, the Mountain West is a poachable target 
as a conference because if someone else decides they want to expand, well, we're looking at San Diego State. We're looking at Boise State. We're looking at Colorado State. We're looking at Nevada. We're looking at schools that are potentially instant targets. And even though they're awful in football, UNLV, not because of success rate on the field, but because Vegas is an emerging market. Why not? And with the dollars they're putting into their facilities, now playing in an NFL stadium, in Allegiant Stadium, they've kind of you know run away from Sam Boyd Stadium. Um, UNLV becomes a bit more of a of a target for conferences to want to go after if they need to expand. And you know, they're in a really good place where Big Twelve not that far away, Pac twelve not that far away. Um, you know, they're they're in a good spot. But looking at the the health of the conference, the Big Twelve is going to you know, go after a new television deal too. Here, uh, the Pac twelve is, and I was uh, I was watching a video from uh, from Tim Brando, play by play voice on television for college football and and college basketball, and he said, you know, sometimes I'm going to paraphrase. Sometimes the out of the box, the unconventional hire, can be the really good one, and can be the one that can give you that that new move into the future. Because as I said on Twitter, this ain't your grandfather's college football anymore. College football's now well into this century and needs to be positioned to go well beyond and not become as, I mean, it's kind of already become this, you know, free for all in a way, but not become any more loose and out of control than it is starting to become. And, and yes, I do agree. College football needs some leadership. Um, it needs some direction. It needs a singular voice for some of that direction. But going back to the Mountain West for a moment, you know, I, I'm looking at Craig Thompson and I'm wondering, how is he positioning the Mountain West? I, I think Craig Thompson, as of right now, has done a fine job as conference commissioner. But how is he positioning this conference for the next five to ten years where I believe college football especially takes a massive, massive turn. You see, I think individual schools have aligned themselves well to the Mountain West. Boise State, Boise State aligned itself very well, excuse me, because you know they worked out their own deal, you know, kind of a side deal. They get more money than everybody else. That's worked out kind of nicely. Boise State individually has done a nice job. Hawaii, frankly, has done a nice job and has set itself up individually where you've now got television revenue from you know the CBS slash Fox deal. You've got television running through the Spectrum deal. And so you've got two sources of income uh, just from television rights that nobody else can, can say that they can have. And that's a pretty nice thing. Problem, and this is not on the Hawaii end, problem in general in the conference, accessibility is... I mean, it's it's up and down. It's not consistent. It's cool when you've got the accessibility of more games on network television. It's not so cool when you've got overrun of games and you can't find your game if the previous one is running long. You don't know where to go, especially if it's supposed to be on CBS Sports Network and they take you online and you know they don't have a streaming channel, so you got to go find it somewhere. They can't put it on another television network, which is a uh, which is a big bummer. 
And Fox, FS1, cool. Get relegated to FS2, uh, not so fun. Not not all that well carried, and not always on a basic tier for people. Accessibility is frankly still a bit of a problem. And you know, outside of what Hawaii has, which is you know a favorable local deal, I gave you the two national partners. And then you've got to go a couple of other places to find games on a on a regional level, whether it's streamed online or whether it's on a, a regional sports network. It's to the point where it's too much. The Mountain West is not set up, I believe, for visibility in the future. Look at a lot of those other conferences. In fact, the, the best comparison I can give you is the American. I know some of you may not like having to pay for an ESPN Plus subscription, or play for, uh, you know, or pay for the Disney bundle. Not trying to make a shameless plug for it, but uh, the Disney bundle's great. Uh, got to watch, uh, got to binge Obi Wan over the last week. Very good. But at least in the American, I know where I'm getting my games. I'm not bouncing around in six different places to find them. And they're set up digitally. The schools have their own abilities to produce their broadcasts and put them up in high quality online on ESPN+. And you're not jerked around in a bunch of different areas. They are the, I, I think, the best kind of scenario a, a, a group of five conference has. Heck, I'll give you the whack. I know where I can find whack football. ESPN+. Plus. But I have to go five different places to go get my fill of Mountain West football every week. That's not ideal. And the longer you let that happen, you know, the the more likely that, you know, your your conference is going to fall behind in its television rights, and it's going to fall behind in visibility, and it's going to fall behind while everybody else is negotiating new deals and setting themselves up for the future, uh, setting themselves up for visibility in a in a new digital space. So I don't I, I don't know how confident I am about the Mountain West and where it is. And I'll be curious when we go up for Mountain West Media Day next month, you know, we will have the audience, so we will be the audience of Craig Thompson. We'll see if there are new things that they announce at that point. Um, but I think that's gonna be one of the things that if we get a chance to talk to him, we'll ask him. You know, how is the Mountain West setting itself up for five to ten years down the road, watching other conferences make these unconventional routes and unconventional hires to try to do that very thing? We got Sports Center coming up in a moment. Uh, rewind with UH Special Teams Coordinator Thomas Sheffield coming up in a bit as well. You are listening to the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Josh Pacheco in for the gentleman. The Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and uh, 14 at 20 AM. And speaking of Chris and Gary, they've got uh, morning duty uh, for a little while. And earlier today, they spoke with Thomas Sheffield, the special teams coordinator and the tight ends coach for the University of Hawaii football team. I'm just wondering, now that the spring practice has concluded and you guys have looked at all the tape, what is your biggest takeaway or evaluation of the special teams during spring practice? Uh, you know, well, we walked into a, a situation where 
Um, we're kind of having to start from ground zero with the special teams, which isn't that big of a deal because um, our kids have made a really good transition through this whole process. They have done a really good job of taking the techniques and fundamentals and the schematics that we're trying to teach them, and, and, and they've done a really good job of honing in on those techniques and, and all those things and, and have hit the ground running with it. And so we've caught up um, pretty quickly to where I want us to be. We're not there yet. Um, but our kids are headed in the right direction. It's a testament to them and how hard they work and how well they listen um, in the meeting room and then apply what we're learning in the meeting room to the field. Do you have a depth chart after spring practice as far as the return specialist for punts and kickoffs? Uh, we, you know, we, we have a few guys that we, we have kind of honed in on and we're looking at, uh, you, you know, with Zion Bowen, um, Jalen Purdue, guys like that. Um, obviously, we need speed there. Um, we need guys who can see the holes that we're trying to give them um, and be able to stick that foot in the ground and get vertical and hit those holes. Um, but, you know, again, that's, it's one of those positions where um, it's kind of wide open right now. Um, however, you know, the most important piece that I'm trying to put together is the people in front of them, the people in front of those returners who are blocking and holding up at the line of scrimmage and doing those things to ensure that we give those guys the ability um, to catch and have a clean picture in front of them and so they can catch it and get vertical. How do you choose the special teams players? Uh, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, you know, it just depends It depends on, um, on, on, on the phase that we're looking at. Um, you know, some of it has to do with a lot of it has to do with the speed. Um, has a lot to do with how they move in space and open field space. Um, you know, certain situations like punt return. You know, you look for length in the arms or reach um, that they have. And so, th there's a lot that goes into it. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I always tell the boys that special teams kind of brings offensive uh, fundamentals and defensive fundamentals together and makes a complete player and so what i'm looking for more than anything is guys who can pick up those technique and fundamentals and who can become complete football players not just an offensive guy not just a defensive guy an all-around true football player associate head coach and special teams coordinator thomas sheffield for the university of hawaii joining us here on espn honolulu you can follow coach sheffield on twitter at coach chef underscore uh you mentioned fundamentals and over the years we've seen different coaching staffs and assistant coaches coming in here and they different have seemed like i have a different philosophy on what they prioritize and how they teach fundamentals what is your main goal when teaching fundamentals with the special teams players cleaning up the details right schematics are schematics um everybody from in a special teams world most people run a lot of the same stuff um you know, and so we, we're trying to hone in our, on, our, on the little details of our techniques and fundamentals because that's where we believe um, we that's where we believe the play is won. You know, those little things that some teams may overlook. Um, we're trying to make sure that we 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 address those details. We're trying to make sure we uh, get a good handle on those things so that we can win early in the down on fourth down. We can win early so that um, it opens up the rest of the play for us. And so, you know, our big emphasis, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams under Coach Chang, is just details, techniques, and fundamentals, techniques and fundamentals, so that when 
it comes time to play Vanderbilt, it comes time to play Western Kentucky and all these other schools, um, we're more detail-oriented, and we have that advantage on our opponent. Do you have any other potential special teams players coming in that aren't here now for the summer session and are coming in here maybe for the second session or for fall camp? Uh, not really. Um, most of our team is already here. Um, we just have a, a few guys um, that haven't gotten here yet, like a, a long snapper, um, Solomon Landrum. He's a transfer from Ole Miss. Um, he'll be here actually today. He's flying in today. He'll compete for that starting snapper job. Um, but for the most part, the team is here. Um, I'm actually watching them work out as we speak um, through my window. They're on the field getting that work in with Coach Cook, who does an unbelievable job with our kids from the strength and conditioning aspect, him and his staff. And so, um, man, we're, we're really excited about the guys we have on our team. Um, you know, we, 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 we feel like the future is very bright. We're doing everything we can to make sure that our guys are taken care of and that they understand what the message from us is day in and day out. And, again, testament to our guys, they've done a really good job of adjusting and overcoming and, and really adapting to our style of coaching. And um, they're, they've hit the ground running and done a really good job. Last year, it was kind of a tough season, you know, for the University of Hawaii with a coaching staff that is now yep. gone. When you go on the road recruiting and talk to potential recruits, what's that conversation like? Does last year come up at all? And what is the biggest sales pitch for having a player hopefully come here? Well, you know, we, we last year's last year. That has nothing to do with us. Um, you know, it's like we told our kids, you chop it up as a bad experience and move on. Um, that's life, right? And so it doesn't really come up um, with the future prospects. Um you know, and, and if it does, we address it in, in that way. It, it was a bad experience. That's not who we are. If you look at what Coach Chang has done in his first six months on the job, um, it's a complete, you know, it's a complete 180 of what it's been, I guess. You know, and I, I don't know the ins and outs of that whole situation, and, and nor do I really care. I just want to make sure that we pour everything into our kids. We pour everything into our recruiting efforts to make sure we give the right message about UH football. Um, we will win. Um, we are headed in the right direction. And, um, you know, Coach Chang, there's nobody better right now for this job than Coach Timmy Chang. And um, he put his staff together to make sure that we care about the kids. We got a bunch of coaches in our facility that are, are driven by taking care and treating our kids the right way. Um, you know, we, we worked really hard to learn about the culture um, not just on the island, but about the years past of Hawaii football, dating back to the beginning. So we carry that chip on our shoulder, and we look forward to um, moving it back in the right direction in all aspects of a football program, not just on the field, but off as well. We're talking with associate head football coach, Coach Thomas Sheffield, also the special teams coordinator for UH. Here are the animals on ESPN, Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I didn't get to meet you on Saturday, but I did see you at the XFL showcase with The Rock. And when he came to talk to the media afterwards, he was mentioning how they're trying to get a connection uh, with Zoa Energy Drink for the University of Hawaii football team. And he talked about you and meeting you and talking to you about that. Can you let us know a little bit more about the Zoa Energy Drink? Well, you know, it was something that I had when I got here. Um, I had this idea. I wanted to try to bridge the gap between UH football and somebody like The Rock. Um, 
you know, and he's not the only one that we're trying to do that with. We're trying to get a lot of people who have a connection with this island that have a giant platform um, and, and, and reconnect them with our football program. And so um, I, it, it, the Zoa Energy Drink is something that um, is his um, and that he um, is, is kind of built um, from the ground up. And it's, you know, I'm an energy drink guy. I do not drink coffee. I, I don't know how people drink coffee, but power <laughs> to you. Um, and so hey, I. Hey, I'm hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I agree. I'm an energy guy. And so I, uh, I um, you know, I, I had done a lot of different energy drinks and I, I fell on, on, on the Zoa deal. And it was just something that I, an idea. I just wanted to see if I could grab his attention and try to get him back around the program or get him to around the program. And, um, you know, it, he saw the tweets, he saw the message that I was sending out. And, um, you know, that, that first interaction was just, you know, it was a good introduction. It was a good introduction to meet him, for him to meet me and um, kind of talk about, you know, just building a partnership with him, with him in particular, um, to get him around our kids, to get him around our program and maybe stop by here or there um, and just under, let him understand that anytime he's here on the island, um, he is more than welcome to come around UH football. And um, he is an honorary member of the Brotherhood. You know what I mean? And, and we want to make sure that message is clear. You know, what happens with the ZOA deal, I mean, may, what ha whatever happens with that is what happens with that. We have other contracts that we got to abide by. And um, But at the end of the day, he, he has – he made a message clear, I think, to all the media that he wants to build a partnership with our kids in one way or the other and support UH football. And I think that's huge. You look at his Instagram, he's got 315 million followers. Wow. And he, he wants to put UH um, as part of – he wants to build a partnership with our, our kids at, with UH football. And I, I just – I think that's huge for where the program is headed. And I think it's a testament to – you know, how hard we're working to make sure that our kids get the things that they deserve and get the exposure that they deserve. And um, it goes back because we believe in our kids and we believe that the hard work they're putting in now is going to pay dividends in the future. Coach Thomas Sheffield with the Animals here on ESPN Honolulu. I can picture the Rock getting involved. He just happens to be some, some reason he's here in Hawaii during a home game. Rock leads the team out on the field in those big biceps. He grabs the mic at center field and goes, Can you smell what the bows are cooking? That would be unreal. How, that would how, be that would go viral. How awesome would that be? You know, kind of like he did at the Super Bowl. You know, and yeah. we have a lot of vision. There's a lot of things that um, we want to bring to the table. Um, there's a lot of things that I'm sure he wants to bring to the table. But at the end of the day, the number one goal is to take care of our kids. Um, and, and, and give our kids the things that they need to be successful. Um, and, and I think that we are headed in the right direction. He's not the only one. There's a lot of people that we're trying to reach out to. There's a lot of people that we're trying to get reconnected with UH football, um, not just the people on the island, but the celebrities on the island, the, the people who have the platform to help us take this thing into the stratosphere. You know, we're here for, um, we're here for the long haul, and we want to make sure that, um, we, we bring back the pride and passion of UH football, not just for our kids, not for our university, but for everybody um, on this island that wants to see our kids be successful. And, again, 
our head football coach, Timmy Chang, is the right man for the job. And uh, what he's done in his first six months is unbelievable. The excitement continues to build, and you're right about the offseason when Timmy Chang got here and the staff and fans are really looking forward to August 27th against Vanderbilt. Coach, thanks again for joining us. We can't wait for practice and the season to start. Yes, sir. Hey, guys, I love I love the animals. I love I love the name. I love the show. Anything any we can do to help, we appreciate all the good press that you give us, and we appreciate all your support. We appreciate all the support from the island. Man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun it's gonna be a fun 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 few years, and we look forward to seeing everybody here on August 27th. I want to see this baby sold out, whether it, it, standing room only. I want to see tailgating. We want to have a big party on August 27th when Vandy comes to town and, and we send them home with that big L. And so <laughs> um, appreciate everybody. Appreciate everybody on the island for being so kind. This place is really special, not because of its paradise. It's because of the people on this island. Everybody has been unbelievable since we've gotten here, and I just want to tell everybody personally, thank you so much. Everybody who's listening, um, please spread the message about UH football. These boys are working hard. Coaches are working hard. And uh, we're going to go put it on the line for this, this island day in and day out. Can't wait for the season to start. Coach, again, thanks so much for the words of wisdom and for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Go both, ride or die. That was uh, Coach Thomas Sheffield earlier today with Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. By the way, uh, Chris Hart's the rock impression. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know. Uh, we go negative points on the rock impression. Keegan Ota has got a Sports Center update coming up in uh, about five minutes. You're listening to the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco here on ESPN Honolulu. Coming up next hour, uh, we'll turn to Major League Baseball, where the biggest story throughout Major League Baseball today is what we might have gotten robbed of seeing this year. Freddie Freeman being a career. Atlanta Brave. Uh, we just got off of a series watching the Braves and the Dodgers and watching Freddie Freeman get pretty emotional uh, over coming back to Atlanta, playing his old team. But yet we learned something today that gives us more context into why he fired his agent and why we got robbed of something potentially really good. That coming up. How many times can you say Adrian Wojnarowski in one update? <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not making. I'm. I'm not saying you did it wrong. Can't even just like, oh, jeez. Josh is getting on me. No, I'm not. It's. It's a credit to Woj that he is able to get all of the scoops on what's going on in NBA before free agency begins Thursday night East Coast time. That anytime it seems like a uh, free agency conversation comes up, it's sources tell Woj, according to Woj, uh, yeah, Wojnarowski is everywhere. So uh, that's all I'm saying. How many, how many Adrian Wojnarowski references in a Sports Center update will you get? Um, we'll count by the end of the show today. Because what do we get? We got three in that one, right? Four. Oh, we got four which means we probably got four in the top of the three o'clock. That's eight. Uh, how much did we get in the uh, 3.30 update? Two. We've had 10 Woj updates in four minutes of radio airspace. That is all the credit to Woj, none of the credit to us. We're just sharing his reporting. That's all it is. 
Uh, and as more stuff comes out on NBA free agency, because of course, uh, free agency and the uh, the new league year uh, really does get underway tomorrow night. Uh, we'll get into some of the things that matter, some of the things that you probably care about. Russell Westbrook opting in, uh, James Harden opting out. A lot of people asking questions about DeAndre Ayton from the Phoenix Suns. What happens there? Uh, all of that coming up in just a little while. You can text us. Uh, we are at the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420, and you can send us your tweets at Sports Animals and at Josh on the radio. Coming up in about five minutes, why we got robbed of something that we probably all should try to celebrate when it does happen in professional sports. Uh, and it happened in Major League Baseball, which, if you can connect the dots, involves Freddie Freeman. That coming up in just a little while. Uh, but earlier today, we got a word of an interview. Don Van Natta, ESPN investigative writer, did with Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Rob Manfred, uh, finally, after a few years, uh, issuing an apology for saying that the, uh, the World Series trophy was a uh, piece of metal which I think people did take out of context, but also you just can't say. You, you can't say that your signature trophy is just a piece of metal. Uh, there's a lot of things that they talked about in this piece, and again, it's at, uh, it's at ESPN.com if you want to check it out. One of the things that came out of it was the conversation on uh, the pitch clock, and uh, Don Van Etta, who was on earlier with Sarah Spain on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Honolulu, kind of relaying what uh, the commissioner said about the pitch clock to Don Van Etta earlier. Take a listen. Take a listen. Manfred told me uh, in, in one of our interviews that he's in favor of the pitch clock, and it's looking very likely that a Major League Baseball pitch clock will be introduced next year. That's the most revolutionary change, Sarah. But another one is the elimination of the shift, which uh, Manfred has also told me that he's in favor of, and we'll likely see that next season. Also, robot umpires in 2024. So there will be a new system of robo-umpires introduced that season. Manfred says he's in favor of that. Uh, and like you said, a lot of uh, sort of, I think, newer fans want some of this. It's the purists, it's the old-school fans uh, that this rubs the wrong way, particularly the pitch clock. Yeah, um, there are a lot of things that I think that, that can rub people the wrong way when you hear just those three things. Pitch clock, the shift, and robo-umpires. Let's let's take one by one here. The pitch clock. Uh, Scott Robs and I have had these conversations during uh, University of Hawaii baseball broadcast because uh, Scott and I are uh, are baseball fans to the core, uh, not just baseball broadcasters, and we root for the same team. So instantly, Scott's my best friend because uh, we root for the same team. We've had these conversations on uh, on the pitch clock. And it's been brought up in minor league baseball that it's shaved off at times like 20 minutes a game. Some of these games are going like two hours, 30 some odd minutes. I went to uh, a Sacramento River Cats game. I forget who they played. Oh, it was the uh, the Oklahoma City Dodgers. It, it was a game that it's a game that I will always remember because it was my first minor league baseball game that I ever went to. 
and it was the quickest I've ever seen someone ejected from a game, uh, and the longest delay from said ejection that I've ever seen in person. It was uh, it was it was pretty neat, and it was kind of a, a cool atmosphere. But they had the pitch clock there, and you know I was I was sitting in the uh, the, the media area, and you know kind of just seeing the game just go by really quickly and I think that game went about like two and a half hours two hours 45 minutes or so but it was um it was quick it was um you know it, it, it was and it was fun and actually the ejection came from the pitch clock uh except it, it wasn't the pitcher that got ejected it was the hitter the hitter uh took a called strike three because he was called for delay of game uh based on the clock and then uh he decided to throw a fit and then the umpire, the home plate umpire, ultimately ejected him, and he was he was gone within like the first two minutes of the game. And then everybody had to wait for him because he decided he was going to leave the field by walking from the first base dugout, walk all the way up the field, into the outfield, exiting the field through the center field wall, and he took his time. I mean, it must have been at least two and a half, three minutes that he walked from the first base dugout all the way back to the bus beyond center field because I don't they they don't really have a, a a locker room I think in those dugouts their locker rooms all the way beyond the outfield and probably onto the bus and beat everybody back to the hotel uh all thanks to the pitch clock but my my biggest thing on pitch clock is not the clock like I I could care less how much time you shave off of a game um I am I'm a purist in this sense. You know, I'm not like some of those people that want the, you know, the instant gratification. I need it now, and I don't want to wait 30 minutes for a run to score. Uh, you know, you can add a clock, but is the clock making the game better? Like, if you're shaving 20 minutes off of a game, is the game instantly better to watch? Or is the quality of the game suffering because the game is moving so fast? So, you know, my my one experience of watching a, a minor league baseball game, staying all nine innings, uh, you know, watching everything play out, like, you know, it was it was cool. It was a good two and a half, two hours, 45 minutes. I think it was closer to 235, 240. I'm probably right there in the middle. Um, the game was good. Did it feel like the game was going a little fast, maybe a little rushed? Sure. Uh, did I... But, the, the bigger question you ask is, was the game better because it was quicker? And I don't think I could say yes. If the game played out the same but had a, a, a little more of a pause to it or, or it stretched another 15 to 20 minutes, would I complain that the game went three hours instead of 240 or went 320 instead of 240? No, because if the game's good, uh, it's not like quickening the pace of the pitches made the game better. So, you know, I, I get kind of concerned when I when I see the idea, oh, okay, um, well, we'll quicken the game up with a pitch clock. I mean, we've seen it in college baseball. And frankly, um, it's inconsistent in college baseball, and it doesn't necessarily quicken the game. See how long some University of Hawaii baseball games went this year. I don't need to tell you how many games went over the four-hour mark this year. A pitch count clock, pitch count clock, a pitch clock did not help. 
you have offensive timeouts, you have the mound visits, uh, you have check throws to first base, you got all that stuff. It it didn't didn't really matter. The shifts again, um I think about whether the game is better when you take away the shift. Is the game better when you eliminate putting three infielders on one side of the diamond? And to me, the answer is no. So why? Why are, why are we doing it? Um, I'm a big believer in strategy. I'm a big believer in uh, what's the best way to get someone out. It's, it shouldn't be – you shouldn't be putting a, a, a product on the field and saying, what's the best way to get runs? You know, what's the best way to make a competitive game? And a, and a competitive game is not just about how you score runs. It's also about what can you do to get people out outside of just a strikeout. Uh, getting rid of the shift is kind of like in the NBA saying you can't play zone defense. You know, I, I'm a believer in zone defense. Uh, you know, having played a lot of it when I was when I was a lot younger, uh, it's just the NBA. Their main thing was let's put together an offensive product. Uh, that's why you had like you know, the delay of game calls for illegal defense because they banned zone defense. The same thing here. What's wrong with three infielders on the right side? What's wrong? I know it's a minor league rule. I think it's in double A. You can't have an infielder playing on the outfield grass. Like, what's wrong with that? Who's it hurting? If you have a problem with someone who's a pull hitter specifically, should the problem be on the defense? Or should the problem be, well, um, you've got this hitter who really exclusively hits it one way. Work with him to be a uh, to, to not be a pull hitter. Work with him to, to be able to hit it the opposite way. Why are why are we stunting defenses and, and infields and sometimes having four outfielders? Because I don't know. I don't know why. I, I can't find a good reason for it. The um the robo umpire, I don't like it, but I'm starting to get used to the idea of it. And it pains me to say it because Major League Baseball umpiring has been at its worst this year. I, I've broken from this over the past couple of months. I have said very, very clearly, I do not want to see robot umpires. Um, I mean, you're going to have a home plate umpire anyway, and they can overrule uh, a robo umpire. So it's not like it's clearly you know, a robo strike or ball and that's it. You know, if you, you might have a glitch. You might have a Russian hacker in there somewhere. I don't know. Uh, you might get one two feet outside that it's called a strike because there's some kind of a glitch. Wind thrown off the radar. I don't know. But because calling balls and strikes has been so bad this year, I'm actually a little more open to it and at least giving it a try. We're watching minor leagues do it. We've watched independent leagues do it. I'm open to it. I'm, and, and if Rob Manfred's talking about doing it in 2024, then you know what? I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not opposed to it whatsoever. So, you know, it, it's, it's about moving the game forward. I just wonder what it is that everybody believes truly does move the game forward, or are we just being reactionary, not moving the game forward, but just being reactionary to the problems the game has. But I love the quote 
that uh, you know Rob Manfred gave to Don Van Natta earlier because uh, you know the quote and I, this says it is the most ridiculous thing among some fairly ridiculous things that get said about me the assertion that I hate the game that one does rub me the wrong way I have to tell you the truth close quote um, this is as they've been talking about the changes and talking about what to do. And they listed a whole bunch of things that have, you know, that they bring up dead baseballs, umpires that make mistakes, attendance, all things that get uh, blamed on the commissioner, which maybe isn't the commissioner's fault, but all things that get blamed on, on him uh, on him anyway. But I just don't know what pushes the game forward. Shifts don't. Shifts just makes it easier for hitters, you think. Or, or, or better yet, harder for fielders. Maybe not easier for hitters, uh, harder for fielders. Um, pitch clock doesn't improve the quality of the game. It just tries to quicken the game. And, uh, you know, a, a, an automated strike zone, at the very least, it gives you some consistency. It's not like, hey, you've got this umpire, and this umpire is known to have a wide strike zone. And then you've got this umpire the next day, and that guy's known to be a very, you know, very picky when calling balls and strikes. It's a very tight zone, not pitcher friendly. I mean, why should you have to deal with a different strike zone every day? So I, I get that. I'm, I'm warming up to it. But coming up, uh, one of the things that we got robbed of, maybe not, maybe not we giving ourselves too much credit, but uh, Freddie Freeman got robbed of the ability to play in one place for his career. And how did he get robbed of that? That coming up in just a little bit. We'll take a look at traffic here in just a second here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Coming up, the... Uh, thing Freddie Freeman got robbed of thanks to his agent, or well, at least his uh, now former agent. That's on the way in a few. Uh, we'll get to the Zephyr Insurance text line in a second. Uh, we've been talking about Major League Baseball, some of the things that Rob Manfred plans on doing in the next couple of years, why I think it will or won't work. Uh, we've talked about a few of those things. Alec is hanging on at 808-296-1420. Hi there, Alec. Yeah, hi, Josh. Uh, good show. Thank you. Uh you know, uh, regarding that robo-empire, um, <clears throat> tennis has been using some form of robo-empiring for the longest time, and it works out pretty good. Um, the only thing I would have concern about is it kind of takes away that human involvement, the human attend the, invo the attendance, the people that attend. Uh, you know, it's, it takes away a lot of the suspense, which I kind of like. Uh, when it, uh, human empires are involved and all that emotional kind of stuff. I kind of think it's, that's a lot of fun. I, I don't know. And again, we have to see how it's implemented. My understanding is the way it would work is you still have a home plate umpire. He's there. Uh, the home plate umpire, I think, would have it relayed like in his ear, um, whatever the the call is from the the automated strike zone and the home plate umpire still gives you the call so i don't know that you take a lot of the uh, the drama away i mean uh, pitches are a bit more obvious i guess you'll you'll always have it um it's just i 
the goal is a bit more consistency behind the plate. And you know, if if this were me three months ago or, or last year, I would have said to you, Alec, I totally agree. I've just seen how bad it's gotten recently. Uh, and maybe it's unfair because there's a bit more of a microscope on them. But I've seen how bad it has gotten, and I, I can't keep defending keeping it away anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, what they propose based in baseball uh, would be very similar to what tennis is doing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the Cyclops, uh, and that umpire, the main um, uh, umpire that sits in the middle of the court, has that uh, uh, authority to override um, what, uh, you know, that uh, Cyclops would otherwise say it's, you know, the ball is out and so forth and so forth. I think it'll work. Well, I mean, I was just watching tennis earlier today, and, and Alec, I appreciate your call. Thank you for dialing in. Tennis still has the the side judges. They they still have the uh, the folks behind the lines. They still use them. They got rid of some of them. Um, well, not got rid of. They lessened it a little bit during the pandemic. It's become a bit norm more normal. You do have uh, you know linesmen that are behind the baselines watching things and and the. Uh, you know, the, the chair umpire, yes, can still overrule what a linesman says. But they do have, and I think it's officially called Hawkeye in tennis, where you have the challenge system and, and the players have X amount of challenges. And uh, you can go to Hawkeye and Hawkeye can tell you if uh, you got it right or wrong. And uh, they can go by that. But I don't think... And oh, I should I should say every tournament is a bit different, and sometimes that is based on surface. Like for example, if you watch the French Open, because it's on clay, I don't think you have the review system. Hawkeye is more so used for television, but because it's played on clay, you can see the indent on the ball or from the ball on the clay. So you'll see a lot of times a, a tennis player will walk over. We'll try to look over the net to see if they can see that imprint on the surface. And uh, they'll ask the umpire. The umpire will come down from his chair, walk over, point his finger down, and and will confirm or deny what whatever the call was. You know, it, you, you can't really see the indent on the grass. Their championships Wimbledon at the All England Lawn and Tennis Club. So they do have the replay system. U.S. Open has the replay system. It does differ based on tournament, admittedly. But for the majority of the tournaments, they do use baseline uh, linesmen. They do have the chair umpire, but it is still a human element. The uh, the machine element is done via replay, uh, not replay, via Hawkeye if, uh, if they absolutely need it. To the Zephyr Insurance text line we go. We were talking about the shift earlier. Texter from the 551, as I said, I don't get what the shift does that is going to change the game or at least point the game in the right direction if you take the shift away in Major League Baseball. Texter from the 551 says, but if you take away the shift, Joey Gallo will jump from a 170 average to a 190 average easily. Tell me how you really feel about Joey Gallo, by the way. Uh, Hey, 20 percentage points. It's not about the percentage point sometimes. It's about when you get the hit that bumps up the percentage points. Uh, but I hear where you're coming from. Thank you so much for the text message. Uh, one more. This is from the 497. Josh, can you tell me what is the intent of the ineligible player downfield penalty? 
How does that affect the game? Huh. You know, I I haven't really thought of it too much, but my assumption would be how it affects the game is um, you have extra guys downfield. Let's say on a on a play action play, we're talking football now here. On a play action play, uh, you've got your offensive lineman now downfield instead of uh, and potentially helping out getting uh, receivers free, bringing you blocking where. Uh, uh, you know, blocking probably is is not allowed at that point unless you have a running play because you see how offensive linemen react on a running play versus a passing play that uh, I would imagine that's why they call the ineligible player downfield penalty and why that makes an effect to keep the running game honest and the passing game honest, uh, even in a situation where you have a play-action play or let's say a quarterback is scrambling, he's in trouble, he's running out of time, and, and you've got uh, to get the ball free, but offensive linemen are all, already bailing out when they're kind of supposed to be in a, central, not a centralized area, but a particular area of the field while the ball is in the backfield. So I think that's why they do it. Do I have a big problem with the rule? No. Would I lose sleep if they got rid of the ineligible player downfield? No, it's just kind of one of those rules that exists that just kind of they're there. And it doesn't really affect you one way or another. It's just, well, it's there. Note the Woj count through uh, six minutes of SportsCenter over the last couple of hours is now 11. Oh, it's good to be Woj when everybody on every radio station in America and on uh, every well-respected Twitter feed in the world cites an NBA report and says, according to at Woj ESPN, and cites him as Woj bombs. I mean, he's probably the most mentioned person in the world right now. Oh, I I won't know. Let's take that back. Uh, let me not forget current affairs right now in this world. Uh, he's probably the most mentioned person in the sports world right now uh, just because of how much uh, he's been breaking over the last 24 to 48 hours in NBA's free agency, which uh, officially gets underway tomorrow night. And uh, we'll have lots of coverage of that here on the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. So I've been sitting on this Freddie Freeman topic Um and I'm actually kind of glad I did. We were going to do it earlier in the hour. We got some of your feedback. We were talking about robo-umps and pitch clocks and shifts. And, and, and it took us a little bit longer to get past that. And it might be a good thing because the Freddie Freeman story just took a little bit of a turn over the last few minutes. And I'll explain that uh, in just a moment. Real quick to the Zephyr Insurance text line on what we have been talking about. Texter from the 285 on Major League Baseball's attempts to move the game forward. Good luck. This guy, uh, this person must be a coach because, uh, or a coach from the stands. I don't, I don't know. Dexter from the 285 says, leave the shift. Learn to hit better. I can just imagine somebody at a baseball game who uh, just sitting there watching the game see someone continuously get out because they're hitting into the shift. And I could just see that one heckler sitting in section 107 
row 12, seat 9, just yelling at the top of his lungs, learn to hit better. It'd probably be annoying to sit next to that individual. But I mean, reading that text, like, I totally see it. The learn to hit better heckler guy. That must be you. That being said, I do agree. Uh, these are professional athletes. Learn to not be a pull hitter. That's all. So in the last 24 hours, well, actually, let me let me pull this back a little bit more. Uh, in the last, well, five days, we've been running off of the Freddie Freeman homecoming train, uh, returning to Atlanta, facing his former team, now playing well for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's gotten it behind him. Uh, and we, le we learned, I think it was earlier today, that Freddie Freeman no longer has an agent. He dumped his agent and is now representing himself. And there are some pieces of this story that had started to come together earlier today that are now being questioned. And I'll explain that in a moment. But let me just move back a second and kind of tell you where I'm trying to roll this ball downhill. Um, I have said several times, I am a big believer that as much as people move around in sports because contracts dictate it, uh, free agency and trades and salary caps and players desire to play with their, you know, their, their friends. Uh, and, and look, as we watch baseball, oh no, I thought that was a five man infield. Never mind. Got me distracted. We were talking about shifts anyway. Um, there's a lot of people who move around and who will, play for two, sometimes three different teams. And I am, uh, am a big believer in saying, you know what? I want to spend the time celebrating the individual who spends his time with one team. And not only spends his time with one team, but wants to spend his time on one team that is so loyal and he doesn't want to go anywhere. And it was kind of hard to watch the emotions of Freddie Freeman for the Atlanta Braves because he clearly, going back to Atlanta, uh, he clearly wanted to be in Atlanta, clearly um, was saddened by the fact that, you know, he, he didn't have an offer from the Atlanta Braves in a free agency. Dodgers gave him an offer. He jumped after spending... You know, his entire career from 2010 on playing for the Atlanta Braves and, uh, you know, being somebody who just put up just a ton of numbers, including in the World Series season last year, 107, uh, or excuse me, uh, 31 home runs, 180 hits in, uh, in their World Series year last year. So we go through the emotions and, and he's crying several times and, you know, the fans give him a great ovation and, and all of that and well-deserved and and he said he didn't he wasn't there for closure um wanted to get through that weekend and and be able to move on so then we get to i think it was earlier today we find out that freddie freeman no longer has an agent because uh he parted ways with his agent casey close 
And normally we don't, I mean, we hear about certain agents that are well-known in their particular sport, and Casey Close is not one of them, frankly. Um, but his his name came up. So Freddie Freeman had basically said to, to people across the baseball world, nobody reach out to me. I'm representing myself. I don't need anybody to try to offer their services. I, I no longer have an agent. That's it. Then came a tweet that all of a sudden started to connect dots or did it. The tweet uh, from a prominent radio host on a, on a national network uh, that's not one we're affiliated with, and I don't want to give it the, uh, the credit nor the host the credit uh, it and he deserves or doesn't. Said, and I quote, Casey Close never told Freddie Freeman about the Braves' final offer. That is why Freeman fired him. He found out in Atlanta this weekend. It isn't that rare to have happen in Major League Baseball, but it happened. Close knew Freddie would have taken the Atlanta deal. And there, simply, in one, I didn't count how many characters that was in that tweet, but that one tweet, all of a sudden started to connect a ton of dots as to all the emotion with Freddie Freeman no longer in Atlanta playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers, all the emotion of him going back and the fans uh, rallying around him, all of that. And then you realize, okay, here's a tweet that says he could have been in Atlanta. He could have stayed there. But his agent didn't give him the offer. Now, I mean, you might be able to poke a hole or two in that. It's very easy to believe that, though, because hiring the right representation for you is especially important. We know um, agents also have their own interests to look out for because you know that they get a cut of what these players get. They're not just there representing deals and watching them go by and getting nothing in exchange. They're getting their share. And so we don't know what, if there was an Atlanta final offer, we don't know what that entails. But what it sounds like when I read that tweet from uh, a host on another national network that we're not affiliated with, that I don't want to give the credit that it surely doesn't deserve, uh, it makes it sound like the agent was being greedy because he thought maybe the Dodgers deal was probably better than the Braves deal. And, of course, better deal means better money for the for the, uh, for the agent, along with you know, better money for the client, but better money all the way around. So this is put out about the agent Casey Close. And it's gotten back to Casey Close. And Casey Close has now put out a statement on what has been alleged of him by national radio host on a national network we're not affiliated with that I don't want to give the credit it doesn't deserve. Casey Close telling uh, Sports Illustrated's Tom Verducci, and I quote, there is no truth whatsoever to what, name redacted here, recklessly tweeted, and I would testify to that under oath. We are currently evaluating all legal options in this matter. Close quote. I don't know how far you can really go with, with legal matters on something via Twitter. Um, but you can, and certainly um, 
if you're a, if you're Casey Close, I don't know how many other people you represent, but all those other players who you represent as an agent are probably reading that and they're probably wondering, hey, um, are there deals that you didn't tell me about? Did I lose out on staying somewhere or did I lose out on more money because you decided to put your interests in front of mine? I mean, you can fire an agent for no other reason than just simply you needed something, you needed to work with someone fresh. You can get rid of, of an agent and have no bad blood and no hard feelings. It does happen. Sometimes you feel like you want someone different looking out for your interests. You feel like your life is changing and you just want to be around a fresh voice, a, a, a fresh advocate for you. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and many times there isn't a bad rap for changing agents or um, you know, firing someone to work with someone else. It doesn't have to be that way. You can get rid of someone just because, you know what, life changes, priority changes, all of that. Not a big deal. But when that comes out about you, that you kept someone from maybe a deal they would have wanted, uh, that is, frankly, it's almost career-ending, I would imagine. And if we all got robbed, and I say we all as, as baseball fans, I'm not a Braves fan, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of the sport. And I say we all because I think it is kind of refreshing at times, as rare as it is. It is refreshing to be able to celebrate the individual who can stay at one place in his entire career and be great being at one place in his entire career. We don't get that all that often. We didn't get that with Tom Brady. We thought he'd be a patriot for life. He's a buccaneer. How many guys? Jerry Rice. Nope. Brett Favre. Nope. Michael Bleeping Jordan. Nope. Can we put the Wizards time in the past, please? It's not often that, that you have that, which to me is special. And if an agent ruins that um, and and puts his priorities in front of the players, uh, that can signal the end of the agent's career, frankly. So Casey Close better be darn sure that he is innocent of not telling his client about an offer that could have kept him in Atlanta instead of shipping him off to L.A. He better be darn sure that he isn't lying because if not uh casey close may need to find uh, another line of work in professional sports because representing people may not may not be long for him coming up sports center at the top of the hour and we'll get back to something we talked about a little earlier in the show and we'll we'll twist in a different direction um, I asked the question earlier, as we've seen a couple of power conferences make some, uh, you know, hires to lead their conferences in college sports that take you kind of in different directions. 
you know, I asked the question, um, you know, is the Mountain West Conference set up to excel in the future, to uh, to go along with some of these conferences going, uh, quote-unquote, out of the box and, and, and trying to push their conferences forward? Is the Mountain West set up for that? And by extension, what does that mean for schools like Hawaii uh, trying to be in, in, in the position that it needs to be to thrive in this ever-changing college landscape. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up at the top of the next hour. This is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. We were talking about uh, Casey Close a moment ago, the uh, the agent, well, former now, uh, for Freddie Freeman. The allegation put out there that he did not tell Freddie Freeman about an offer that was given uh, to uh, his agent by the Atlanta Braves that might have kept Freeman in Atlanta instead of moving to L.A. That uh, the agent believed that Freeman probably would have taken that, declined the L.A. opportunity, and uh, and and may have stayed home where he had played in his, his entire career since 2010. Casey Close's player representation and uh, and I'll credit Darren Heitner uh, he's got a, a sports agent blog sports agent sports agent blog.com um, you know, he's a he's a sports I think he's a sports lawyer he's well versed in the space those who Casey close has represented uh, who have he has represented uh, Derek Jeter Clayton Kershaw Zach Granke Kenny Lofton and Ryan Howard. Uh, it's it's interesting that for all of those names, like we hear in football, we hear of the Drew Rosenhouses. Baseball has its own baseball super agent. Basketball's got Rich Paul, uh, but they also have several different agencies. But usually you have... Uh, you kind of have like this one super agent that everybody kind of turns to that, uh, you know, everybody kind of, you know, the, the big names have. And it's amazing because I had never really heard of Casey Close until today. And that's kind of amazing to me. Normally that would mean um, that's – that's good credit. Scott Boris is who I'm thinking of in Major League Baseball. Drew Rosenhaus uh, is not just football. He has uh, uh, Rosenhaus Sports representation, which goes into Major League Baseball. And they have, like, this whole list of players in baseball and who represents them. You can you can find it online. I don't need to point you where to go. It's amazing we've gone all these years, and we've never really known who has represented Derek Jeter who's represented Clayton Kershaw, which would tell you generally you think he's done a pretty good job because if you don't hear his name in the headlines, sometimes that's actually good. He's not like Rosenhaus. Drew Rosenhaus loves to hear the sound of his voice and see his picture on television. Um, this guy doesn't seem to be, but he's in a lot of trouble right now because if this is true. There are sections of Players Association regulation, standard conduct for player agents. Uh, he could have his certification revoked if this is found to be true. 
there are disputes that can be put up uh, from players to agents. There's a lot of things that can happen here if some of this potentially gets proven, whatever it is, and and we don't know. Uh, but we all know how much uh, an agent does profit on his client's success. And more often than not, because I, I don't want to be misrepresenting this, more often than not, a, a, an agent does a very good job of, uh, of representing a client. It is the rare instance in which it might not happen and the greed kind of gets in the way that you have that one, uh, that one rotten egg, if you will. But we'll see if that threat of legal action uh, saying that the tweet that was put out there was false. Uh, we'll see if that holds up uh, over the next couple of days. Sports Center coming up. We'll turn our attention back to college sports. The Mountain West, is it set up for the future of college sports? And by definition, I'll look at the Big West as well when we look at Hawaii basketball and, and baseball and where those non-football sports reside. Are the two conferences in which Hawaii is involved in set up for the future, potentially, of college sports. Coming up in just a couple of moments. Hawaii and the Big West and the Mountain West. By proxy of those conferences, are we set up for the future of college sports? Especially in college football with the Mountain West. We'll do that coming up in just a little while. I got to hand it to uh, uh, Keegan Ota. Myself today, I mean, we've just been kind of, uh, we, we have been just slumming it in the studios today. You know, it's really hard. As we get later in the day, it gets warmer up to about 4 o'clock, and then it starts to cool down a little bit. You've, uh, we've been fed today. Uh, I got to, before, before we get into uh, the college sports setup, do you know how tough it is? to get into a radio show, you know, right after eating a crumble cookie. Those things are humongous. Uh, I, I got to credit uh, Ashlyn, one of our uh, one of our account executives who came in and, you know, was nice enough to uh, do work and was nice enough to come in and say, hey, brought you some cookies, which we very much appreciate. Um, we are here. We're, we're the two and, and Tanner. We are the three that are here every day. Oh, no, take that back. Kanoa's here every day. Four. Between us two personalities and, and the two guys who uh, do a lot of the yeoman's work behind the controls, we're here every day. We're amongst the few that are here every day. And so when, when someone brings in food, it's like a reward for us. Like, hey, uh, doing a great job. Thanks. Uh, here's some here's some cookies. Those cookies are huge. And, <laughs> you know, those things sit for a while. You forget you brought lunch to work because one cookie just basically takes your lunch and dinner. And then all of a sudden, you're in, like, afternoon Olympics. Why? Because... You're, you're trying to avoid the Kanak attack of a gigantic cookie that you have been sitting through all afternoon and take you through a three-hour show and 
Keegan's been running around and doing other stuff today. So Keegan gets a gold medal today for that. Uh, trust me, we have uh, we both earned. I'd say I'd say brownie points, but I, I, I was, yeah, uh, I'm gonna get uh, get real cheesy with it. We've earned cookie points today for uh, for for working through just near Kanak attack status. Just on one cookie, we've left cookies back because we. Oh, what Keegan? You had more than one. Keegan, open up the microphone for a second. You, you, you are someone that has shown great control as long as I, as, as far as I have known you here, because since the pandemic, let's, let's take you behind the scenes for a second. Since the pandemic, the person I have seen the most outside of my wife is Keegan Ota. It's to his detriment, frankly. Um, because I'm sure he'd like to feel like he has much more of a life uh, than hearing that. But I have known you very well over the last couple of years, and I have known Keegan Ota for incredible control when it comes to really good food, because occasionally we do get some really good food here. Keegan just admitted he had two of those cookies, and those things are huge. Keegan, what happened? What happened today? One and a half. I still haven't finished the other half of it. We round up. We round up because you're trying to finish it, so it's still two. But what happened? All I all I can say is crumble cookies are great. That's all I can say. Well, yeah, I I I, I get that. Um, I'm just surprised that you gave into the second. I am. I am. What what my friends will will agree with me on this. My my family will agree with me on this. I am what you call a cookie monster. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And I would say that your fan—I mean, um, your family knows very well about good snacks and uh, and and good food. So, uh, if if you are that by proxy, I guess of the family business, then uh, then then surely something has gone right. But uh, I still I still just can't believe it. I can't believe you went more than one. I. I thought about it, to be honest. I, I nearly broke two because it was so good. But I decided, you know, um, if I go for the second, realizing that I have three hours of this show to do, I will not make it. You would probably have to do the rest of the show because I probably would find myself in the corner dozing off from Kanak Attack Syndrome. So I had I had to think for the benefit of the team and the team being you and me we are we are team afternoon show we're we're all we've got here we are all we have left over the rest of the day that uh that I I had to sacrifice the second cookie for the benefit of this team and for the radio audience well, uh, but you've known me for all, for a lot of a lot of time now you know yeah. as long as there is not korean barbecue in my vicinity I will be okay <laughs> This is true. Um, what do you you have Korean barbecue? What once a week? Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Why Tuesday? By the way. Uh, is there, is there a, a reason? Because Tuesday is supposed to be Taco Tuesday. That's the the generic thing now. Oh um, no! For us, it could be Beef Tongue Tuesday. Doesn't have the same ring to it. Kinda but does. uh, but why Tuesday? Uh, well, 
Okay, so funny story. It goes back to our days when we had our um our had our show. You remember this from oh uh, yes esports show. So yes. we would go after we would go Squat after up. every show after every Tuesday, and we would go down and like kind of just hang out there after we were done. Squad up. We used to air it on our sister station. Uh back when it was called something different than the pandemic hit and we had because it used to have like four people in a studio and uh then the pandemic hit and then we had all those restrictions and uh you know we haven't really recovered back from that i guess but uh, i remember those days uh that was uh that was fun stuff but uh I, I didn't know that that was the thing and i forgot i don't know why i thought it was wednesday nights instead of tuesdays it was tuesdays yeah it's always tuesdays i was still the program director at that time how did i not remember that it's probably just because you left home early, and I, I we always left at around seven thirty, eight o'clock, anyways, to get there in time. So, hey, we, we we took it that way. Jen texts in via our Zephyr Insurance text line at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. Who gives the old LOL to the Cookie Monster comment? LOL for those of you uh, not used to, uh, to texting. It means laugh out loud, laughing out loud, laugh out loud. Same. Uh, Jen also says, if Keegan is a Cookie Monster, I'm a Cookie Addict. Hmm. Uh, what's worse, Cookie Monster or Cookie Addict? Take that to the text line because we have no access to the Sports Animals Twitter. We're hosting said show. We get no access to the Twitter, which I don't understand why. Um, but we'll we'll put it to the text line, the Zephyr Insurance text line at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. What's worse, Cookie Monster or Cookie Addict? Can't wait for whatever responses we get out of that uh, on your drive home. And you now think of great snacks. I'm just thinking about dinner at this point. Apologies in advance. Uh, getting back to college sports, which is where we were going to go about five minutes ago, and then we totally derailed it on uh, trying to figure out why Taco Tuesdays became Korean Barbecue Tuesdays. Um, today was an important hire in college athletics, it was in the Big 12. And and I loved what we learned earlier today about the uh, the Big 12's hire of its newest commissioner. In fact, such an obscure guy to hire that a lot of the athletic directors in the Big 12 had to Google who he was when finding out that this was a candidate to, uh, to become the next commissioner of the Big 12. Uh, Former COO of Jay-Z's Rock Nation, Brett Yormark, who uh, replaces Bob Bowlesby as commissioner of the Big 12 Conference. And we talked a, a little bit earlier in the show, in case you missed it, about how uh, it sounds out of the box. It sounds kind of weird that you've had the Pac-12 hire an entertainment guy out of um, you know MGM, and now the Big 12 is hiring a Rock Nation guy uh, Rock Nation's basically an agency, but but this guy specifically was dealing with licensing uh, on that end of the business. Licensing, of course, now important as we we talk about, you know, the NIL uh, name, image, and likeness. But they're important hires because they are so different as compared to like a promoting a Greg Sankey in the SEC or hiring people with with huge college sports or administrative backgrounds that it does make you wonder about where we're moving forward um, and any school in any you know 
media affiliate who covers these schools, I think automatically now has to ask and ultimately get answers and schools to the like have to ask these questions as well. Are we set up for the future of college sports? And to be frank, I don't know where the future of college sports is. I don't even know if the NCAA is in the future of college football. Um, I think the NCAA exists. It exists for a long time. It will exist for a long time because sports like basketball and baseball and softball, they need the NCAA. Uh, There is legitimacy there when the NCAA does produce the national championship in those sports. College football doesn't. The NCAA is hands-off in college football's national championship, except for the FCS and Division II and Division III. There, the NCAA is involved. In the football bowl subdivision, not so much. There is a uh, a bowl committee. The NCAA licenses the bowls, and then the college football playoff oversees those games and the national championship. So when you see these hires from power conferences, you're thinking, okay, um, it is more and more likely that these are football hires, but not necessarily just about football, but it's about the life in football in the case that the football you know breaks completely free. And you've got people who maybe have a little more real-world sports experience Outside of, you know, sitting in an office in an athletic department or, um, you know, sitting in a conference office as the right-hand guy to a commissioner and being able to say, you know, hey, um, we know college sports. College sports as we know it is ever-changing. You know, I'll, I'll give the University of Hawaii credit because UH actually was kind of ahead of its time on this. I mean, remember David Matlin, uh, when he was hired, he was an, an ESPN events guy. He was involved in, I mean, great connections with the University of Hawaii, but an ESPN events guy uh, with and, you know, leading that great organization here in Hawaii with the Hawaii Bowl, with the Hawaiian Airlines Diamondhead Classic, and the initiatives that they were doing along with that. Uh, created great relationships uh, and and it had and it, it brought uh, a great partnership that I think has benefited the University of Hawaii and, and it and it's given, frankly, um, it, or at least at the time, a fresh set of eyes and ears. Even though it was a set of eyes and ears that had known a lot about the department, but a fresh perspective of it from someone who wasn't an athletic administrator, but was someone who was looking at that program and is looking at that department from the perspective of of truly a business partner previously and go long-term vision with it and see how that's worked out, I would make the argument that that has worked out fairly well. A couple of key hires coaching-wise, the ability to minimize the damage from a pandemic and to, you know, up until the pandemic, uh, take a bite out of a budget deficit. Now, that may not be future-facing or, or future-looking 
when it comes to the future of where college sports is going. But you can at least say, hey, Hawaii knows what that's like. Hawaii knows what it's like to hire someone into a prominent athletics position that may not have jumped from one school to another, but had a different background that was you know, very much important from a, a newer kind of perspective. And so you're seeing some of these conferences now do that to position themselves. Television uh, is important. Also, and, and, and how they go about those television rights and how they perceive visibility, how they perceive um, where the conference needs to go in an ever-shifting landscape that is less TV, it is more digital, it is um, still much about eyeballs in person, ticket sales, and also positioning of scheduling. A lot of those things are incredibly important. So I'm watching what's ahead there. And I'm kind of curious about where we sit. Are we in a position to keep up? Or should we be concerned that at the moment we are watching everybody else move ahead and we're just kind of sitting here and waiting for the big break to come to be in the right position to, to be in, in the correct seat when college sports, and specifically college football, advances beyond what it currently is. Last time I ever talked about food on this show, uh, our good friend Darren Kimura from the Sports Cards and Collectibles show, uh, which is coming up next. It's a good listen. Uh, right here on ESPN Honolulu. I should have said, with with all of us that have been here uh, basically every day, he's been here every Wednesday. He, he remote shows? No, that's that's for the rooks. Uh, so he's here every day. He heard us talking about food, and what does he do? Uh, he tests our ability to survive the final forty minutes of this show by bringing in brownies. I'm telling you, the influences that we have around this radio station are varying, very much varying. And uh, <laughs> I, again, I am put in a position here with the final 38 minutes, avoid as much as possible. Oh, Keegan's going for it. He's going, Keegan is going for it. Oh, don't do it, Keegan. Don't, don't do it. You No. Oh, if only we had video in here. He literally decided... He was going to put it in front of me for the final 38 minutes. I don't know what you're trying to do. Are you trying to sabotage the rest of the show by putting brownie bites in front of me and forcing me to concentrate? What are you thinking? Yeah, I, again, the influences some people have uh, here in this radio station, I very much question. Very much question. We'll see how many Woj uh, references are in the next Sports Center, Keegan. Text us at 808-296-1420. That's the Zephyr Insurance text line. You can call us at 808-296-1420 and tweet the program at Sports Animals and at Josh on the radio. So uh, we were talking about whether Hawaii, by proxy, I guess, in the conferences Hawaii is in, in the Big West and the Mountain West, 
whether Hawaii is, is set for college sports' future, whatever that looks like in the next five to ten years, I'll, I'll bite off the Big West part first. Uh, we, we talked about the Mountain West a little earlier on in the show, so I'll, I'll, I'll get to the Big West here. Um, there are things that I have definitely liked about where the Big West has gone in, uh, in the last year. I think the Big West in, uh, in deciding to go more digital and less linear in television I think was a great move. Uh, going to ESPN Plus was really solid. Now, you know, there are still some instances that I think we can move forward on getting more events on on ESPN Plus, and that's across the conference. But what it's done, it has um, it's put more Olympic sports on the platform. By proxy of that, it's put more Hawaii events, more of uh, the other schools' events there. So there's you know, there's visibility there that I don't think was there you know, as much before. And although it didn't really look it this year, um, I will give credit that the effort is there to build up the quality of said productions to get those games out to the masses because uh, you know they have upgraded with some of the uh, you know some of the graphics and the camera work and et cetera. And there's still work to be done. Believe it or not, supply shortages actually did play a factor in that. There were some schools that were waiting for some of the upgraded equipment to come in uh, for the enhancements of those ESPN Plus broadcasts, and it hadn't come in yet because of supply chain shortages, believe it or not. So, you know, I expect that we'll see see a better product. And, you know, again, fortunately, we've had the local television deal with Spectrum that has kind of led the way in those productions that have gone out to the masses uh, you know, via ESPN Plus across the mainland, that has been a been a huge help. Uh, the Big West, I believe, is where it needs to be for a conference that is where it is. Um, and I'm not really talking about whether you have a conference tournament in baseball or you know how your conference tournament aligns in basketball, but I believe it is setting itself up in a unique way. And with a you know a fresh vision, someone who honestly is a, more of a, a basketball person in Dan Butterly, um, but a fresher vision and maybe not, you know, hey, we're not on television as much nationally outside of the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, but we're accessible and more of what we do, more softball, for example, more men's volleyball, for example, accessible. And it's a good thing. It's a it's a benefit. And I think anything that benefits what athletic departments can do in that area with help from the conference, with help from broadcast partners is, is a huge thing. I look at the Mountain West, though, and I find myself wondering whether the Mountain West is in a situation where in five to ten years, are we talking about a conference that is set up for its future? The Big West is int- – I don't think you know the Big West doesn't really need to worry about you know, the West Coast Conference gobbling schools up or the whack reigniting to become some big thing. Um, you don't have to worry about that. The Big West is an odd football school, can do what it needs to do in its setting, and it's and it's been good. I think it's been uh, been beneficial. I worry about the Mountain West. And part it, part of it is you do have schools that are ahead of the pack. 
you have some schools that are, I think, kind of lagging behind. And I'm not talking about wins and losses. Part of a successful conference, when you want to move into that next step, that that future, part of that successful conference is being able to keep everybody on as close to an even playing field as possible in order to say, you know what, when we're able to move forward, we're all able to move forward together. Our conference is competitive on and off the field. You know, it's it's a, a, a top to bottom, very good conference. Like, people make fun of the SEC in football because you've got really good teams and then you've got the awful ones, awful teams, Vanderbilt. But you know what? Vanderbilt has its other qualities. They're still um, still viable product in the SEC in that uh, Nashville slash Tennessee market. You know, they may be horrible in football for the conference's standards, but they are still viable with a lot of the television money that they have, that they are still a viable asset. Look at the Mountain West. There are viable assets. Boise State is a viable asset. It is a team that... Now, with the current contract in football, you'll get at least one nationally televised game every year uh, on network TV, maybe two. Every one of their games is on some television network, uh, whether it is on cable or, or, or broadcast. I believe Hawaii in the Mountain West, as it currently sits as a football-only member, is in a really good position, is a viable product. Wins and losses could be you know, a bit more consistent, sure. But we're not necessarily talking about that. There is a viability that sets Hawaii up fairly well. Um, San Diego State, with its new stadium coming up, is an emerging product. It has been talked about for several years in, in conference realignment. Colorado State's got the market it's in. There are certain schools that are truly set up that I think if you were to move forward in the next five years, those schools either survive in that conference or they have an ability to survive as an independent or, and I'm not saying all of them can do it, or can move into another conference and be a viable member. Where Hawaii is in that, I think we'll, we'll find out. I think, I don't know that Hawaii has the ability to one day, if the Mountain West were to fall apart, just land into another conference um, independence would be something you'd have to talk about at that point, but I think there is positive viability in the future for that department. Um, but the problem is the Mountain West has a problem with schools that don't seem to meet that same standard that some of those schools do with its visibility, with its competitiveness off the field, not just on it. I'm looking at the New Mexico's. I'm... Um, you know, I'm I'm looking at, I mean, I I would normally say UNLV, but I I think UNLV is in a in a different position. I I look at New Mexico, um, I look at in a way I kind of look at Wyoming, because Wyoming I think does not have a a great future ahead of it, and and honestly, outside of football doesn't bring uh doesn't bring a whole ton. I look at. Uh, I mean, I, I look at those couple of schools consistently and a lot of schools kind of in the middle ground. And if you start moving ahead, those couple of schools, they start to get left in the dust. 
And to me, a signature of a conference is where you got opportunities and you can prop up everybody and everybody benefits. And I don't know that I see the Mountain West in that particular place just yet. It's a challenge Craig Thompson has. He's already seen something that he's worked for, an expanded playoff, being part of a, a college football playoff select committee, looking at the opportunity to expand the playoff. He's seen that shot down and, and fail as really the, the one representative uh, from a, a group of five conference. And being that him as that guy couldn't help to push it through and get everybody on board, it does make me worry a little bit about the conference's standing and movement uh, moving forward. Not saying he hasn't done anything really well. I think he's he's done a few things well. Uh, from the football perspective, I question the TV deal, uh, but it did bring more money, but I don't know it brought everything into the picture that benefited everybody. But I don't know that in five, ten years, if, if college football all of a sudden were to be freed from the NCAA, uh, and if, if the landscape of college sports became even more of a free-for-all than it is now with NIL, I don't know that we're sitting here saying that the Mountain West is in a great position. And that's that's a little worrisome to me. You can get your thoughts in VR Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. Phone lines are open at 808-296-1420 as well. Oh, I go to the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. We were talking about um, setting yourself up for college sports in the future and uh, whether, and I don't want to say Hawaii, but the Mountain West in general, whether whether the Mountain West has kind of set itself up. I think the Big West is in a good spot for, for a group of five non-football conferences. But what about the Mountain West? Uh, this is from Trey, who says, but Josh... Don't forget about Mountain West rivalries. Wyoming has a natural rivalry with Colorado State, for example. And Trey says, regional rivalries are important to certain areas and would be horrible to eliminate without some creative thinking on how to keep them alive on a periodic basis. Regional rivalries are good. I mean, we almost every school has one. Uh, you know, we've got the Paniolo Trophy. You know, we've, we've got rivalries here and there. Here's, here's the thing, though. You can have your regional rivalries and not be a part of conference play. So let's say something were to happen and, and the Mountain West were to split apart. Then, uh, you know, Wyoming and Colorado State, maybe you're not playing in a conference game anymore. Uh, you're Every year you're part of the, the Mountain Division. But uh, at the very least, maybe you set something up non-conference every year. You make it important. You make it a point that one of your non-conference games is your rivalry matchup, kind of like what you have. Um, Clemson and South Carolina basically play every year as part of a rivalry game. You'll get sometimes Florida State taking on Miami, and no, not Florida State, Miami. Florida State playing Florida, uh, for example, uh, SEC, ACC, to be able to uh, keep that rivalry going. You can you can work around that. Um, Regional rivalries, I think, are they're what they are. They are regional rivalries. 
but they don't matter much more than that. And they don't guarantee you national television and they, you know, they may potentially guarantee you a, a good crowd, a good attendance, but maybe not a lot more than that. Um, but it's a, it's a good thought. That's, that's more where individual school marketing, I think, uh, comes into play. By the way, Trey asks, more importantly, three first-round picks for DeJounte Murray. What? Yeah. Um, that's a lot. But, hey, the Hawks are happy. John Collins is still there, and the Hawks are an Eastern Conference contender. Uh, so if you want to give three picks for DeJounte Murray, then, yeah, uh, you go for it. Text from the 721. Best case scenario for Hawaii if they can get in the Pac-12 in all sports, open up markets in Asia. I hate to say it, but I think the Asia market thing is kind of overrated. Um, you know, I, I think if there if if the Asian market were were a big deal, I think you'd see more effort in being there. But you don't have that. And I don't know that the Pac-12, frankly, I don't know that the Pac-12 is really interested in that. The Pac-12, first off, needs to clean up its own house before thinking about any kind of emergence of a market elsewhere. You know, they've got a network to fix. They've got television rights here over the next couple of years that have to you know, be a lot better. Uh, it's probably one of the worst major conference television deals that I think exist right now in college sports. Before you even think about Asian market, first think about your own house and cleaning that up and making sure you get a, you get the right amount of money for, for all of your schools. Uh, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 have the worst two television deals, and it's they're the two that are coming up here very soon. But when I, I keep hearing this opening up markets in Asia... And while great in theory, just imagine for a second and, and put it in this perspective. You'd be asking the school that has maybe the least amount of visibility. If let's let's play the hypothetical game that Hawaii was a part of the Pac-12. You take the school that has the least amount of visibility in the conference. What has been a group of five schools. And you'd be asking that school with the least amount of visibility to open up a new market for you. Realistically, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And watch what college football, where college football has gone, and see how that doesn't make a lot of sense. We're not getting a college football game in Asia every year. We're getting one in Australia. Again, Hawaii played in one a couple of years ago, and, and I think there's going to be a Big Ten game in uh, in Australia, in uh, I think coming up in August or, or next year, one of those. Um, but there's no real talk, and I think there's no real urgency or sense of need to expand that market. Football, look at where football is, and look at football professionally. The markets football professionally are expanding into is not Asia. It's Europe. It's, uh, you know, they're playing games overseas in big soccer markets. Look at where the NFL is playing its games, Mexico City and in Europe. 
And college football is not radically different. Which is why when I keep hearing that, I, I try to make sense of it, and I and I can't. When people try to throw that out. Let's get Eugene first here, because uh, he wants to stay on topic. Eugene, you go ahead. Hey, Josh. Here, let me let me let me enlighten you a little bit. First of all, the Pac-12's television contract. You think back to when when it was struck. At the time, it was the richest television contract ever because they were the first one. Unfortunately, they were the first ones. And so, you know, as, as college sports had more money coming in, it looked like a pretty crappy deal. But it was each school in the Pac-12 got 150 mil. That's why Wazoo and Oregon State got brand-new facilities. Um, secondly, when you say, you know, Asia is not really a market, Lincoln Riley, full disclosure, I'm an SC guy, Lincoln Riley is going to take care of football. You've already seen the transfer portal and who's coming to SC. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Asia, you're looking at sports like swimming, tennis, volleyball, basketball, not necessarily football. And so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a different kind of thing. And if you look back to the 50s and 60s, you'll see geographically it goes in cycles. Right now, you know, it's the SEC. The SEC is on its way down. They've peaked out. They've got their money. But that contract locks them into whatever they're locked into now for the next five years. The Pac-12's contract comes up. They get to negotiate a whole different contract that that the guy who's the head of the Pac-12 now, that uh, Vegas... George Klybakov. What he does, a sports yeah, he, he is semi-visionary. You watch and see what he does. The Pac-12 will be back. It's just a matter of time. Mark oh, I Tyler. agree with that. No, I, I, I agree with that, and, I, and I've come to like that higher. And, Eugene, I appreciate your call. The only thing I would push back on is um, we're talking about football mainly, but if you want to bring those uh, the Olympic sports into play, the Pac-12 doesn't need, let's say, in swimming and diving – or soccer. The Pac-12 doesn't need Hawaii to open up the Asia market. The Pac-12 has reputable schools and with reputable success that it doesn't need another school to open up that market if it is that good. And by the way, on the television deal, big at the time money-wise, but flawed because they put together their own network and they couldn't even get it on satellite so, you know, the big deal was the Pac-12 network, but the Pac-12 network was not visible by everybody. And it's one thing that the other conference networks don't have a problem with. Uh, let's get Harold quickly here. Harold wanting to call in about Jocelyn Allo. Go ahead. Hey, good afternoon, uh, Josh. Uh, I kind of kind of miss your voice uh, around noon. So are you, uh, are you on the, the 6 o'clock or the 5 o'clock? Afternoon show now? Uh, we'll be here for, for a little while um, as, uh, as, as we, uh, we let Bobby rest up and, and get him back in here soon. So, uh, so I'll be here for a little while from 3 to 6. Right on. Hey, I, I just wanted to make a comment. Uh, I was on the ESPN uh, website today, and it looks like um, the ESPYs, uh, I'm not really too familiar with it, but um, there's some kind of voting going on, and Jocelyn Allo... Uh, has been nominated for two awards. So I kind of just wanted to give a shout-out to everybody. 
uh, and uh, I guess you know it's kind of like a voting kind of thing. So you know, I guess the more votes you get, uh, the better your chances are. And I'm not sure if you guys have seen it or mentioned it, but I just kind of wanted to make you guys aware of it if you haven't heard about it. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. And, and Harold, thank you for calling. Um, she's, I think, a favorite to win both of the awards. Uh, she's up for best record-breaking performance, which is uh, obviously the uh, home run record in the NCAs. And look, breaking that record back home, I think, is the icing on the cake of just sealing that award. And the other one, best college athlete in women's sports. And there are some very good ones. Uh, name me one that's better. Out of out of all of the good women's college athletes that there are, and there are many that unfortunately are unheralded because I think we've got more to do. Uh, Aaliyah Boston, South Carolina basketball, Charlotte North, Boston College lacrosse, Jalen Howell, Florida State soccer. I don't know how any of them best Jocelyn Allo. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Not really something to spend 10 minutes on, but um, certainly a good reminder. Uh, SB's coming up July 20th on ABC, and we found out today Steph Curry's going to host the SB's. That's going to be a, a dry monologue. Coming up next, it is the Sports Cards and Collectibles show here on ESP at Honolulu. Uh, there is news just in from TMZ Sports. Uh, Miles Bridges has been arrested for felony domestic violence. Uh, this was in Los Angeles. Bridges turned himself into a local jail this after an alleged physical altercation that happened earlier today. Uh, actually, yesterday, I beg your pardon. Turned himself this afternoon. Uh, bail set at $130,000, and he has been released. By the way, Shohei Otani is, uh, is done, and David Lane's got really good seats. Why do you have to brag about your seats, David Lane? I'm, I'm kidding. Good friend of ours. Uh, Otani, five and two-thirds innings. He throws over 100 pitches, 11 strikeouts. But you know what's going to happen, right? The Angels will lose. Because anytime something good happens with Shohei Otani and or Mike Trout, the Angels find a way to lose. They were a sub-500 team. Uh amazingly flawed and I think their biggest star or their second biggest star now I don't know that he wants to be there anymore social media was buzzing yesterday uh, in the Angels game there's a video that was uh, uh, on Mike Trout out in the outfield he was so frustrated with his pitcher I don't, I don't know if you guys saw it on social media but he was so frustrated with his pitcher that he out in center field is seeing his pitcher tipping pitches and so he's out there kind of mimicking his pitcher and how his pitcher is you know his how he's bringing his glove and his his pitching hand in how close it is to the body how not close it is to the body or how far it is going out and he's kind of showing in his own way how his own pitcher is tipping his pitches to the opposing team and you look at his body language and um, it's very clear Mike Trout is just kind of fed up. If they can't win a ring anytime soon, Mike Trout may go down as one of the best players Major League Baseball has had in recent memory that has just been on a terrible luck being on a team that just can't be consistently competitive, even with having 
one of the best players to play the sport in the last 25 to 30 years. Uh, it's it's remarkable. And you have the top two stars in the game playing on the same team. And what are they, two games under 500? And they've gone through, what, three or four different managers during that time that Trout's been there at the very least, going back to Mike Sosha, who spent a long time there. How are they that bad? Just by the sheer fact of having those two, they should be one of the top three to four teams in Major League Baseball. Instead, they're sub-500 and probably going to be sitting out again in the postseason this year. It's unfortunate. Uh, great work today by our entire crew. Uh, food update. I have managed to survive having to look at brownie bites uh, over the last 38 minutes. I have uh, not given in to temptation. Meantime, Keegan Ota is still finishing up his second cookie. Third? No. Oh, okay. It's taken him like three hours to eat his second cookie. He's, he's trying his best uh, to stay in the moment and not let the food get in the way of his job. I understand. 